pastor asked me months ago to be a part of this series. Will you do the last week? And, um, and I'm like, okay. Sometimes he has me preach and he says, hey, whatever, whatever's on your heart. But this time he said, I need you to preach. Um, I'm doing an I Am series and I'm going to be preaching through John. I want you to do John 14, 6. I was like, John 14, 6, you're giving me the best one out of all of them. This is the best. I mean, this is my favorite out of all of John. John chapter 14, 6. And it was part of our theme verses for the summer And so I'm going to tell you, I've been in this passage. It's been preaching to me. I've been feeding on it. So I'm full and I'm convinced today you're going to walk out of here in a little bit just encouraged by these, this week's series on I Am. Um, You know, Pastor Every Week has been talking about this theme, drilling into our heads to remember Jesus is what? Enough. Some of you have been here. Jesus is enough. That's what he's been teaching us. And and all through this I Am series, we're learning more and more about how Jesus is enough. He is enough for us. So let's say it together. If I didn't have you say it together, he would be upset at me. So let's say it together. Jesus is enough. Say it again. Jesus is enough. Yeah. Well, I would have you get your cell phones out. And whoever you texted last, you should just send them, Jesus is enough. That would be so great. Imagine that conversation the rest of the day. But we ought to share this with the world. And that's what Christ was doing with his disciples here in this passage, getting them encouraged. And I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I'm here to tell you I'm enough for when I leave you. And we'll be, we'll be together again. And I, I know that you're excited about jumping into it. Week one was I am the bread of life. Week two, I am the light of the world. Week three, I am the good shepherd. Remember that one? I think that was my favorite. I am the good, I don't know. I am the resurrection was such an encouragement to me. I'm the resurrection. And every week we've been, we've been learning more and more about our Christ. Just like the disciples were. They're learning more and more you know what it reminds me of? Um, I, was in, I went to middle school at Valley Springs Middle School on the south end of town. Anybody know about Valley Springs Middle? You've heard of Valley Springs Middle School? But I didn't go to the new building. I went to the old building. Did you, Coach? We, we, I went to the old Civil War Hospital building. You know, the floors were all like uneven and doors didn't close. The ceilings were like 32 feet tall. I mean, it was like a, I don't, I don't know what this building was originally, but it was old. And I, so I went back in the original Valley Springs days, um, back when the, the, the principal sat out back at lunchtime and whittled with you. Everybody brought their pocket knives, and we'd whittle you know, our sticks in middle school and back in the good old days. But my favorite class um, was science. I, I love science class. And, um, well, I liked science, but I didn't like my science teacher. Don't do the math and think about how old I am and go back to the... But I had a bad teacher. And for one reason, I, there was this one day they brought out the erosion table. Do you know what the, you remember the erosion table where they had it filled with layers of sand and dirt and then they would turn the water on and you would watch the water go down the table and it would erode away and then the teacher would have you gather around and like look at the layers of sand. I was into the illustrated stuff. It's like, man, I'm, I'm all about that. And I remember her saying, um, now how many, who can tell me why is there layers in the earth? Now I don't get to raise my hand a whole lot in my school history you know I don't know a lot of but I knew the answer to this one and I was like yeah I threw my hand up I was all excited about this I was like the flood Noah and the ark and all the layers happened during the flood I knew I was so proud of myself and that teacher you know what she did she ridiculed me she she literally laughed out loud and then said let me explain class what he's talking about he's talking about a fairy tale 
A fairy tale is found in the Bible about the world being covered with one. She, she spent like 10 minutes, and I was like getting smaller and smaller, you know, backing away from the erosion table. I'll never forget that. Man, don't look her up. Don't do the math. Don't go back. If you do the math, I spent five years in high school, so figure that out. But I was middle school, not one of my favorite teachers, but I loved science. And I can remember that year particularly, there was a part of the year we would walk into the room and the microscopes were on the tables. That was a day. I loved the microscope. And I can remember going into that room all the way down the hallway on the second floor, all the way on the right, and, and going into the science room and seeing the microscopes and loving that. You put the little slide in, and then you, you look through, and it's all blurry at first. And then you adjust, and you can see a little, a little better. You adjust a little more. And that's what I feel like pastor's been doing. In fact, what Jesus was doing with the disciples, just getting a little bit better focus of who he is every time, dialing in a little bit more that I am the bread of life. Oh, wow, I am the light of the world. And today, we're once again, we're going to dial this in and, and focus in on another layer, this dimensions of who Christ is. It's phenomenal. What that's, Christmas after my eighth grade year, um, I was really into the microscope, and I asked for one for Christmas. And you used to get them, I don't know if you still do, they would come in like a little metal case, and you had the, the foam, you know, where you had to pull it out, and it had the little glass things. I had my own microscope for Christmas. And we had a dog named Coco during that time, and Coco had fleas. And I remember picking a flea off of our dog and putting it on one of those little glass things. And while it was still alive, just kind of smashed him down on the slide and put him in. And anything I could get a hold of, I remember pricking my finger, putting blood on one of those, looking at blood. And, and I put that little flea in there, and sure enough, man, a flea! I, would, I could see him at first. I could see blood like running through his little body. And then I could focus gently enough that I was looking at different layers through this flea. And man, that's, that's how I feel when, when pastor steps up and says, hey, let me give you a little bit more dimension of who Christ is. And Jesus is doing the same thing. You thought you knew me, but I am also this. You thought I was enough but I'm even this. I thought about changing this, the phrase today to go, he is more than enough, but I don't want to mess up what pastor's doing. But he, he just continues to be enough, doesn't he? And in John chapter 14, verse number six, is what we're going to hone in on, we find the disciples in a very similar situation. I feel like we can kind of relate to because there's trouble, there's there's concern and there's, there's, there's uncertainty amongst the disciples. In fact, Jesus had just been talking to them and told Peter in the, the chapter before, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's all shook about that. He just told his disciples he's going to prepare a place, or he's, he's just told them he's leaving, and he's about to tell them that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So there's this uncertainty. We can relate to that today. In fact, verse number one, he says, um, in verse number one of chapter 14, he starts the chapter out by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Isn't that a great phrase? Hey, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. It doesn't say, hey, I'm going to keep you from trouble. It doesn't say that as a follower of Christ, you won't have trouble. He's just, he's about to encourage them with some information that says, with this information, your heart won't be given over to trouble because what I'm about to tell you is going to be 
is going to be peaceful. It's going to give you an understanding of me. It's going to give you a peace that passes understanding. And so he, he launches into this passage. And let me read us up to verse number six. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Can you imagine these disciples hearing that you're leaving? Wait, what, you're going to prepare a place? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, you know this. <laughs> They're thinking in their heads, no, I don't. I don't know where you're going. And he says, and the way you know. And they're going, I don't know the way. We don't know where you're going or how to get there. And so Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we know not whether you goest. And how, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered unto him, I am the way. I'm the way. The word way here is uh, in the original Greek is hodas. No, don't be impressed. I looked that up on the internet. I took Greek in, in Bible college, and, um, and I struggled through Greek. I eventually finished the course with a D. <laughs> it's a four-hour course. I don't know if you know about college courses, but it's important to do well in a four-hour course. It, it impacts your cumulative very deeply. In fact, I was so bad in Greek that, that Professor Barnhart, at one point in the semester, said, Tim, it's not too late if you want to drop this class so the D won't go against you. It'll just be for nothing. But I was deep enough in, and I knew I would never do better. I said, I'll take the D. It took me three semesters, um, ultimately, to recover my GPA. I was under academic probation for my Greek. So don't be impressed. But I do remember some stuff about this. Oh, my tie, I'm a thess on tie. I don't even know what that means, but it's drilled in my head. But I remember vocabulary. Vocabulary is what kept me. The vocabulary test is what kept me the D. If I wasn't for the vocabulary test, I would have been in trouble. But I remember the vocabulary. Uh, uh, Professor Barnhart was really good at teaching us a, a, um, a Greek word, and then he would tie some little way of remembering what it meant. I remember hodas. I am the way. The word way, Greek word, is H-O-D-O-S, hodas. And I remember him saying this. When Jesus Christ says that I am the way... It's him saying, it's, it sounds like us saying, hold us. It's like you got a little foreign um, language in there somehow, but it's like, hold us. Hold us, Lord, we're on the way. And I remember that from my Greek class. But the word hodas is this idea, multiple dimension of Jesus Christ being the way. You might kind of think of it as just like the traditional way that we think of this verse, where Jesus Christ is your way to heaven. That, that this is what this means, and that's it. I mean, it's just Jesus Christ saying, I, I'm, I am your only way to heaven, which is correct because at the end of the verse it says, no man comes unto the Father but by me. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There is one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. But you are, you are limiting the word hodas that he would have spoke that day, and they understand it. they understood it clearly. Hodas meant multiple things. It meant, number one, in fact, the definition literally, um, literally means a road or a course of conduct. So it is a path. It is the way to heaven as a road or a path. But it's more than that. It's even this idea of a course of conduct is what Christ was saying to them. 
In fact, if you're taking notes, I would put under I am the way, I would write these four things down. It literally means Christ is communicating to them that I'm not just, I, I am the roadmap. I am the direction. So number one would be direction. I'm the direction of how to get to heaven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the roadmap to there. I'm that roadmap. But I'm also the director. I am your way. I am going to lead you in the way. We have a thing at camp that we really uh, teach our summer staff. We have two weeks of training before camp starts. And we're training about, you know, how to take care of kids. We, um, we, talk, we talk through a lot of practical things. But some pieces we talk about are just learning to host our guests that are on the property, parents who are dropping off kids. You know, on, on drop-off day on Sundays, camp, all these cars pull up into our welcome pavilion. And the, the campers get out of the car with their luggage. They load up on the bus and parents are saying goodbye. Parents are crying. Kids are all excited. And we load their, the luggage in our trailer and take the luggage to their cabin. And the kids come in and meet their counselors. It's an amazing day. But we have all these parents around. So it's really important we host them well and we treat them well. A lot of them are having some serious anxiety about dropping kids off for camp. And one of the things we teach, it's a little thing, but it makes a big difference, is when someone as a guest comes and asks you a question, you now are responsible for finding that person the answers that they need and the help they need. And so they, you know, if somebody says, hey, where's the restroom? And you're at the welcome pavilion. Don't just point the direction. I know you know the direction. I'm talking to my staff. But don't point. Don't go, oh, go that way and then make a right. And then it's the first one on your right. Don't do that. Just say, hey, I know the way. Let me show you. And walk with them hey, we're so glad you're here. And on your way, you're, you're making an impression. You're, you're easing their nerves. You're answering their questions. And then you come around the corner and you go, right here it is. And um, we're, we're glad you're here today and you step away. See, Jesus Christ isn't just your direction, your map to get to where you're going. He is also your director along the way. Hey, come on, I'm your way. Come with me is what he would have been communicating by hold us. But he's not just direction, not just the director, but pastor talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the message, I am the good shepherd. He is the door. So when Christ is communicating to them this day, hey, I am your way in. I'm your access. I am your door. I'm not just directions. I'm a director and I'm your door as well. I'm the way. I am your access to heaven. And not only is he director, the um, direction, the door, but this is probably my favorite. It is that he is our destination. In fact, this, there's a clue to this because it says in verse number four, and whether I, Jesus says, and whether I go, you know. And they're all going, we don't know. And they're looking around going, do you know? Do you know? I don't know where he's going. But Jesus says, you know. And he says, the way you know. You know the destination because you know me, and I am the destination. Did you know that when you came to know Christ as your personal Savior? I didn't. In fact, I've been learning this over my walk with Christ, that the day that I received Jesus Christ as my Savior at 16 years old, the day that I admitted I'm a sinner and I need to repent for my sin and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I invited him into my heart, and he's been the Lord of my life ever since, that day that that happened was the day that I arrived at my destination. See, Jesus Christ didn't, you may argue with me about this, and we can have a theological debate if you want. When we get to heaven, you realize you're wrong. But we could, we could talk about this, that Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross 
just so that you would get access to heaven. Jesus died on a cross so that you could be reunited in a relationship that was lost in the garden. That we could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you met Christ, when he came into your life, guess what? You didn't just get direction. You didn't just get the director. You didn't just meet the door. You arrived at your destination. Isn't that good? You know, we have, Libby and I travel around and we'll go places and we always put in our little app. You probably have an app for this too, right? You're like going somewhere and you put it in. We use Waze. It's a, it's a great app. You ought to check it out. I don't get a kickback for that. It's just, it's a great app. You should try it out because it tells you if there's an animal on the side of the road. Anybody on Waze is putting information in. If traffic's slowing down, it'll guide you off of bad traffic. Waze never takes you I-26 East. It never does it. It's just like took it off the option. It, it'll, it'll find like slow traffic. It'll tell you where police are. Not that I'm doing anything wrong. I just like to know they're out there. But it'll tell you where the police are. It's an incredible app. But my favorite thing about any of these GPS things we use is when you zoom back out and you can look at your whole path, it doesn't just give you the direction, but it gives you this little checkered flag, little circle checkered flag where you're headed. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. And I love it whenever we're on a journey, especially if it's a long one. Libby and I went to Maine a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, and that was a long path, you know? We went up through, you know, Washington, New York City. We went through Boston, all the way up to, to midway through the state of Maine. And that whole 16, I don't know how long, it was 16, 18 hours of just driving, stopped overnight at one point. Finally, we got to, the, got to the little circle, and I've been staring at that thing, headed toward that thing this whole time. And I love it whenever on that app you get to your, your destination. It says, take a right. You have arrived at your destination. Yeah! I love that feeling. And for a lot of us, I feel like we're, we're living our... I'm not going to put this on you. I put it on me. And a lot of my walk with Christ, I feel like I'm trying to get to that place one day with, with Jesus I just need to get to heaven. When Jesus Christ is saying, I'm your destination. You have arrived at your destination. This is it. Christ is saying, hey, I have this opportunity for you to live a life in me that is fulfilled. And heaven's going to be sweet. And heaven's going to be awesome. And I can't wait for us to arrive in heaven one day. But Christ is communicating to them that, hey, let me tell you why heaven's awesome. Because I'm there. I am your destination. Jesus Christ is communicating to them this idea of of being able to go through life. I am the way to give you direction. Uh, Years ago, Libby and I took uh, our first group of students to Kenya, and we love going to Kenya. And I've gotten very, very close with some Kenyan brothers and sisters in Christ. They deepen my faith. They, They challenge me. Um, I just, I love what God's doing in Kenya. It's a very difficult place in some of the places that we, we've been. And, um, but I'm always enriched by this, by this trip. But whenever we take students, you can't land in Nairobi, Kenya, a few hours away from the Maasai Mara without taking the students to, that you're with to see this amazing event of the Maasai Mara, possibly seeing pieces of the great migration of the wildebeest. But you're going to see uh, the giraffe, the zebra, as they call it. You're going to see the wildebeest. You're going to see hyenas. You're going to see a lion. You're, you're going to see all kinds of craziness. You might see a leopard. Definitely going to see some cheetahs, maybe little cheetah cubs. You're going to see the Maasai Mara on safari. And we have to chisel out a little time in our, our trip to take them there and see this amazing creation of God. 
But you, you would never do this on your own. You just couldn't. For one, you're not licensed to do it. You can't enter the Masai Mara unless you're a licensed guide. But the guide is important for you. And my, our guide is always a, a Kenyan um, Maasai named Sammy. I trust Sammy with my life and the life of our students that he guides us in. But he takes us not just to get to the Masai Mara and then give us directions, but he guides us and shows us the really special places about the Masai Mara. He knows where the Simba is. He knows where the zebra are. He knows where the wildebeest are. He knows where the elephants are, are, have migrated to. And he'll take you to all these sites. And it just reminds me of how Christ not only has the direction for your life, the way, but he's a guide for you. For me. And he's telling these disciples, don't be troubled. I'm the way. I'm, the, I'm with you. You know, what's interesting about that guide um, analogy is that every time we pull up to the Masai Mara, it's, a, you know, it's, it's fenced in. They've got these entrance gates and armed Kenyan soldiers with AK-47s standing at the gates. They there's a huge war going on with, uh, against the poachers and that huge, massive um, wild preserve. And um, they take it very, very serious. And so when you roll up, it's intimidating. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat on the left-hand side, driver on the right, Sammy's here. We've got our group in the back with the roof that opens up and you stand up and watch the safari. There's another vehicle behind us. They're with our team. And we pull up to the gate. I've got a handful of IDs, student IDs, because you get a discount for all of our students that are, that are college age high school age, we take their student IDs. Now, I usually have a handful of $100 bills that we're going to pay the, whatever the fee is for the day. And Sammy starts this conversation with one of the guards that comes up, AK-47, super polished old nine, nine millimeter on his hip. And he's walking over and just staring in the window like, like I'm not even going to let you in. There's like some tribal language going back and forth. might be Swahili, but a lot of times if they're in the same tribe, they're Maasai, they'll both speak Maasai. And they're talking, I have no idea. All I can feel is the tension. And he's like, you know, and he's talking with him. He finally takes the IDs and he's like flipping through them. And then finally he looks back in the car and he's like looking at one. He's like walking through. And the whole time my heart's just beating. Like, man, are we, are we even going to get in? And he's like shaking his head the whole time. And he's like talking about the amount and they're going back and forth. And I'm thinking, this is not happening. Every time, every time we've been, I'm like, this is not happening. I just feel the tension. And you know what they usually do? Come with me. And they take Sammy out of the vehicle. They go in like the guard shack. And I said, well, that's it. We're not going. But every time Sammy comes out of the guard shack, he's got the student IDs in his pocket. He still looks nervous. He's still sweating a little bit. And he gets in the car and he sits down. I look at him and he goes, not a problem. Team, it's okay. You know what Sammy is? He's access. Sammy's a guide. Sammy knows the language. Sammy knows the place. They know Sammy. And he, he gives us, you think if I rolled up there in my rental car and I said, rolled my window and said, I'd like to go in, there would be all kinds of confusion. Of, ultimately, they'd say, no, you're going to get killed if you go in here because you're going to step out of your car and a lion's going to eat you. You're not going in. But Jesus Christ is our guide. He is the way. And that's what he's communicating to them. And I love that about him. In fact, I'll give you a little tip if you ever go on a safari. This is something I've learned. Don't sit in the back of the vehicle with everybody else. That seems like that's the cool place to be. Everybody's standing up, you know, taking pictures and they're looking out. There's always a passenger seat. And I always sat in the passenger seat. You know why? Because I wanted to be close to the guide. Because you hear things, you learn things, you understand things when you sit as close as you can to the guide. 
James tells us, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Jesus Christ says, I'm the way. Draw nigh to him. He's gonna show you things. We've been on safari before and he says, oh team, this is a problem. We're not going to make it unless I go in four-wheel drive and he puts in, I'm an off-roader and so I'm land cruiser, you know, with the open top. I'm all into this safari and he's teaching me stuff about how he, how he operates, chooses a line, makes sure he can navigate through this creek and up onto the safe bank. They don't have any clue what's about to happen until we hit the water, it splashes and throws them around and they're laughing back there and they're like, man, what was that? I was like, I knew it was coming. And he taught me on the way how he was gonna do it. Draw close to the guide. And Jesus Christ is saying, I'm the way. I'm not just the way, but he also says, I'm the truth. Hey, I gotta show you this first. If you're taking notes, I, no, those D's right there are really good for you to take, but I would write this down too. And God kind of gave me this a couple nights ago when I was studying this, that he illuminates the path. When he says, I am the way, he illuminates the path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I am the way. He is the word in flesh, but we have this Bible today that is a flashlight for the way that we ought to walk in this world. But how many times do we neglect the word of God? We feel like, you know, it's there if we need it. Man, I need to, I need to remember a scripture and I go back to it. Maybe it's shoved underneath the, the driver's seat of the vehicle and you got to find it. Or man, does anybody know where my Bible is since last Sunday? When this is our tool for guiding us through the way. It's a living book that's looking for the needs that you have. And God will use the words of this book to illuminate your path. And Jesus Christ is asking you to say, hey, admit, just surrender that I'm the way. I brought something with me from camp because uh, this is one of our really important tools, many important tools at camp because you can't be a camp director, have 350 lives at your stake every, every night through the summer and not be thinking about worst case scenarios. And one simple little tool that we equip all of our staff with that you gotta have is a headlamp. You probably have one. This, it's a great little tool. You don't have to, um, you know, you have your hands free when you're working at night. And I was thinking about this. In fact, I might draw this up and put it on Shark Tank because I think that might have an invention here. I don't really have time to do this. So if somebody wants to do it, I'll just take 50% and uh, we can work it out. But man, where you're stepping is what's, is, is what's important, right? We need to watch where we're going. And so I was thinking about it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I thought, this is exactly what God's word is for us. Would somebody invent this and write me a check, please? I don't even need to be on the cover of it. But this is exactly, hey, can we kill the lights for a second? Thank you very much. Who's that, Heath back there? But this is exactly lower, darker, yeah. This is, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Man, if I didn't think these would come flying off here, I could just go running through the dark. This is genius. This is a million-dollar idea right here. But this is the plan that God has for us. Hey, I know you live in a dark time. I know it's difficult, but I'm here to tell all of you. Oh, that was cool. I'm here to tell all of you that I have the answers for this dark day, and it's my word. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And some of us say, well, you know, I think, I've got, I think I can navigate this on my own. And you're going to navigate the darkness of this world without the word of God? But Jesus Christ is saying, I'm the way. Can you have the lights for me? 
So not only is he the way, but then he says this to them. Let's take it, let's dial the, the microscope even a little, bit, a little bit more. He says, I am the way, I'm also the truth. I am truth. Man, what a day that we live in that is a need for truth. What is truth? Who has truth? Who's speaking truth? Who's telling the truth here? I mean, where is the standard for our community? Where is the truth that we're basing standards on anymore in our society? It was true back then, and it's even more true today. People are chiseling out their own morality based on feeling or based on whether, I'm, whether that offends me or not. These are, the sta- these are the tools to try and find standards with. And Jesus Christ is declaring even today, I am truth. I'm the standard. I'm the one you can look to. The word truth is the word, the Greek word, aletheia. It's kind of a mic drop word. It's kind of like, okay, enough said. When someone said the word aletheia in this day, it meant this is a truth that cannot be denied and no longer are we considering anything else. I am aletheia, Jesus Christ says. This is important because when you are aletheia, it means that I go past your own understanding. Well, I just don't understand that, so I don't know if that's true. Jesus Christ says, I know you don't understand it, but it's true. Maybe you've been taught something different, another truth, but Jesus Christ says, I'm sorry, but I'm the truth. Maybe you don't, um, maybe you don't agree with that truth, but Jesus Christ says, I'm Aletheia. And even if you don't agree with me, I'm still truth. This is difficult for us in this day, especially as Americans who we want to be heard and we deserve, we have rights to be heard. But Jesus Christ says, despite all that the world's telling you, despite what you, maybe even the popular vote, I am truth. You know, um, we, another tool we have at camp, I'm sorry I keep using camp illustrations, but it's kind of where my, pet, where my brain is, and um, I have a four-wheeler. And this little four-wheeler is clutch for me at camp. I do inspections with it. We check on campers that are camping out. All of our campers camp out on Tuesday nights up in our 300 acres. They make macaroni and cheese over the fire. They have like closing five-minute challenge at the, before they get in their tents or their hammocks. It's amazing. And I'll go through on the, on the four-wheeler and check on them. But every once in a while, I'll be on the four-wheeler, and I can't remember how much fuel I put in. I didn't check it, and I cut across camp or 300 acres, and I'm like looking. I'm going. I'm headed toward a destination, and all of a sudden, that four-wheeler. You guys have probably been there before, a motorcycle, and all of a sudden, chug, 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 chug. I don't know why you think that it might get better, but you just you keep going. Ah, ah, oh. But you know anything about a four-wheeler, or you know anything about a motorcycle? There's a little thing called what? A reserve. You reach around the side. I'm teaching some of you this. You might, this will be good for you. You reach around the side, and some genius person said, this will be smart. You flip that little switch to reserve, and there's a little tank in there with enough fuel to finish the journey. Now, you're not going to, it's like that guy going down the highway with that little donut tire on. He's just like cruising, you know. He's had it for six months. He's just trying to get, it's not that. This is just to get you where you're going. But I feel like that sometimes, and we're running on a tank of our understanding, our truth, what I can, what I can explain, that's my tank, and that's how far I'm going to go. But when you come to the end of your understanding, Jesus Christ says, I'm truth. 
flip on your reserve tank of faith and keep going. I'm truth. I'm the standard. When everything else says it's, an, it's another way. Um, have you ever, you that are spouses, have you ever um, hung a picture frame or a television and you both are involved in that process? It's emotional. I know when I bring this up, some of you are like, please, not right now. <laughs> But we've all been there, right? And there's, there's something that's really important when you're doing this. Um, when you're hanging something up, you can argue all day long about what's straight and what's level, but I'm gonna tell you something. The bubble doesn't lie, right? I'm gonna help, I'm gonna help a lot of you young married people. Get a level and don't argue. When I hang a television or a picture frame or a shelf or something, I've learned that Libby wants it done right. Now, I'm kind of like, hey, when you put stuff on the shelf, nothing falls off, it's fine. It's not that bad that things are rolling off of it. Libby wants it right. She, everything in the house has got to be exactly, it's got to be right. So, man, I'm going to tell you, I've learned ways. But the thing that I do when I hang a picture or a shelf or a television, I don't just stand back and eyeball it. I get the level out. And you know, even to the point when I hang something up and Libby comes by and goes, oh, that looks good. Thank you for doing that. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. It doesn't look good. Let me show you. And I put the level on it. I said, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? And she's like, yes, it's, it's great. No, 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 come in here, babe. Look, at the, look how the middle of the lines, the bubble is. It's exactly level. I'm so proud of that. The, level, the bubble doesn't lie. Read your bubble. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> Jesus Christ says, hey, you can argue all day long, but I'm truth. And when I speak and what I say, it's the end of the conversation. Trust me. So read your bubble and say, God, I understand. It, it, it doesn't look right to me, but you say this is right, and I'm trusting, I'm trusting the bubble. In a day when we lack standards, it's important for us to understand that Jesus Christ is truth. And then he's not done. Man, he just keeps dialing this in. Just when you think this is enough, Jesus is more. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I am the life. Again, to impress you with my Greek, I looked it up. Do you know what the word life means? In the Greek, the original word would have been Zoe. I love that, by the way, because I have two granddaughters. I have four grandkids, two granddaughters. One is Piper, she's three, and one is little Zoe. She's just turned one, little Zoe. And I'm going to tell you, she is a perfect definition of the original Greek word Zoe. Life real genuine, a life active and vigorous, the state of one who is possessed of vitality and is animate. Man, if you've, if you've held my little Zoe granddaughter and she looks at you in the face and she's just like full of expression and she wants to make you laugh and smile, it's, it's a perfect example of this idea of when you have life in Christ, it's full. It's the life that God intended when he created life. Zoe is this Greek word for the word life. And we see this a lot of times, you know, we have this YOLO phrase, uh, you only live once. I hate that. No, I'm living forever. 
My life is in Christ. I live forever. This isn't my one life. My life extends all through eternity. And there is an alternative. It's called death, eternal separation from God. Romans talks about. For the wages of sin is death. That is the opposite of what we're talking about here. This eternal death, separation from God. But with Christ, it is eternal life. And not just life for eternity, but our life here. You know, the definition of this word is not just talking about eternity. It's talking about this life now. This is the life that God has intended us to live, this life in Christ. And he is that life. In Luke chapter 8, verse number 14, it's an interesting verse. It's kind of this other life, this YOLO kind of life that's used. See if you hear it here. And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. There is a life without Christ. In fact, the Greek word for that life is not zoe, it is B-I-O-S. It's where we get the word biology, the study of life, the the science of life. You, You may have a beating heart, you may have blood running through your veins, you may have brain activity, but you are not, you may not necessarily be living the life that Christ has created you to live. And Jesus Christ says, I am the life. I think this is what's really difficult for the world that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. They cannot experience that life in Christ without that they that they're not experiencing without Christ. They can't experience that life in Christ. By the way, do you know that this is the the highest form of sharing the gospel? I love it from time to time. Somebody might say something that doesn't know Christ, and they say, Man, there's just something different about you. What is that? Zoe, I I don't know if I can explain to you theologically, but I can tell you I'm experiencing it, that there's just something more that I'm experiencing in Christ, and it's Zoe. Now, you may be experiencing B-I-O-S, life, but not the life that God has intended for you. I was thinking about this, and I... I thought about, I brought something else. You know, it's fun being a camp director or a youth pastor because you, you have uh, excuses for still going to toy stores. It's one of the biggest benefits. And I went to the toy store and I bought this little stuffed animal. Isn't that cute? Little stuffed animal. And this is cool for me because I had a stuffed animal. You, you all had stuffed animals growing up. Don't, don't look at me like that. You had one probably. Maybe it was a doll. Maybe it was a stuffed, I, I had a stuffed ape as a kid. I had a stuffed black ape. I loved it. It had like the whites of its eyes you could see in the dark at night. And I would put him on the end of my bed and I felt comfortable because I would set him on the end of my bed and I would go to sleep because I thought, who's going to mess with me because my, my gorilla is going to tear him apart. And I could sleep. I'm not kidding. It's crazy. And I would take that thing all the time. Well, I remember one time I was in my backyard burning stuff because I grew up in the 80s. I was in the backyard burning stuff, like melting army men or maybe there was two matchbox cars on fire. And so just, that's what we did. And I had my ape out there, you know, because that's what you did too. And um, my ape wasn't very careful and his arm caught on fire and burnt, like he had these long arms, you know, this ape had these long arms and one of them just, and very flammable, by the way. (laughs) Got to about here before I could snuff it out, you know, beat him on the ground, it went out. And I just played on, didn't really think much of it. He just had a crispy kind of an arm, just black, melted, plastic, hard, 
I didn't think much of it. But when I got in the house, my mom was like, whoa, what happened to your ape? I said, I don't know. He went out today, came back like that. I don't know. <laughs> he's had a rough day. I'm glad he's home. And she's like, let me have him. And she's like, let me fix him. I said, oh, cool. She could put new hair on him or fuzz. When she brought him back to me, he had like an arm like this. She cut his arm off and just sewed him at the soft spot, you know. I didn't, we didn't have any proper burial or anything for this. It just was gone. But this is, from then on, it was just my ape like this. I, he, I always felt a little insecure when I slept because he only had one arm to fight with. But man, that was my, that was my stuffed animal, you know. And it was a limited relationship. There was no like, you know, in my mind, there was like play, but there was no like, you know, me as the owner of this stuffed animal, there's like really nothing. And I know this is silly, so just humor me, okay? I've been at camp all summer, and this is where my head's at. But I think about this sometimes is how we are in our walk with Christ. We just feel like I'm just stuffing my life full of stuff. I'm taking up space, and look at me, don't I look cute? I'm doing okay. I'm just, it's full of stuff. But you're missing something. So to kind of illustrate and paint a picture in your brains, I brought someone with me. Awesome. Thank you, Sage. Look at here. Oh, look at here. Look at this. This is not stuffed. I know you think I have my hand and it's back and this is just a puppet, but this is a real dog in church. A little golden doodle. Look at them. You see what I got to do? Yeah, I got to come preach to these people. Isn't this fun? You know what's cool about a dog? It's kind of a great picture of the difference between a stuffed animal and a real live living thing. It's relationship. It's care. It's love. It's a need, and it's meeting needs. You know, and you could play with that dog and you, or with that stuffed animal, and you're very limited. But Jesus Christ is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to guide you. I want to feed you. I want to take care of you. I want you to recognize you have needs, and I want you to come to me for needs. Hey, I want you to express your love for me, your care for me. Isn't that a beautiful thing that God's given us a dog to illustrate that incredible love that they have for their owners, for their masters. And this is a great illustration of what life in Christ ought to be like. Not this. You're not just to gather stuff. Great life is not dependent on stuff. When we go to Kenya, I meet people that live on a dirt shack, dirt-floored shack. They're full of joy. They love the Lord. God's answering their prayers. And they're, they just, they feed off of all of this life that they have in Christ, but they got nothing, nothing. And I walk away saying, what am I missing? Zoe, to its fullest. And I've met people that have a lot of stuff and they're missing something. They'll tell me that. I've had people tell me, I'm just missing something. It's a life in Christ. You know what's really cool? Rebecca, I love that your little puppy here is named Grace. Grace came to show us life. That we can be saved by grace through faith, right? By grace through faith. That not of our works. So you know what we're learning today? I don't blame you. You can go back and see Sage. Let's head back here. You know what I'm learning today? I'm learning today that some of us are gonna go through the rest of our lives, me included from time to time, 
just filling up a space, jamming my life with stuff, and missing out on the life that I have in Christ. This surpasses all this stuff. And it's much more valuable. 